Hey everyone, before we start our podcast, I want to make a quick announcement about our upcoming trainings for this fall. We have three classes coming up. We have done trainings in the past, but took them off the market, and now we're back. We've been training our own staff for actually for eight years, so we have a lot of experience, and we do, as if you listen to this podcast, you know we don't approach lashes like anyone else. And because of that, we really feel that anyone can take this course and learn a lot. If you're a beginner, if you're advanced, it doesn't matter. It's a new technique. Out there right now, you can learn classic. You can learn volume. You can learn hybrid. You can learn mega volume. But really, this is like a fifth category. We call it the integrity bond, and it's much different than anything else you're doing. It's geared towards a high-end clientele who wants long retention, who doesn't want to come in once every two or three weeks, but wants to come in once a month. It's also a much more, I would say, authentic look. It's nowhere close to glam like you'll get with mega volume, but for those clients who are high-end you know, attorneys and doctors and business owners who don't want to go crazy but still want some impact, this is great for them. So we have three classes coming up, one in September on September 23rd, the next one's October 14th, and the last one's November 4th. And then we have two options. We have a two-day class and a five-day class. They both start on the same date. And the two-day class is only for advanced people. If you're a beginner, never done lashes, this is not your class. But if you are a beginner, then you have to take the five-day course. So for now, we're doing a two-day and a five-day. I know some people have been going to the trade shows and talk to us. We've changed things up a little bit. So I apologize that things keep moving, but we just keep listening to our audience and talk to them what they need. And we keep retailing it to fit exactly what works for you. So if you're advanced, this is a great class to take. Two days, you're in and out on a Sunday, Monday. And if you're a beginner, just learning, you're going to be there Sunday through Thursday. So there'll be more details on the website and we'll put more stuff on Instagram. And if you DM us, we'd be more than glad to send you information or talk to you personally about the class. This is a course that you really should take. It will change your game and give you more tools, more options to offer your guests. One more thing. Guess what? Because you're a listener, you can get a discount on our training. So if you're experienced and you're coming just for the two days, we will give you $50 off. And if you are going for the five-day class and you tell us you listen, we'll give you $100 off. So don't forget to tell us that you are a listener of our podcast and you'll get a special discount on our training. That's it for me now. And let's get on with the show. We love lashes and have a passion to see our industry grow and thrive. In our podcast, we will discuss ideas, explore trends, share secrets, debunk myths, and encourage one another. I'm your host, Paul Lubers, and I'm the general manager at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. Welcome to LashCast. Hey, welcome everyone to LashCast. Today, we are very excited. We have a very special guest with us. But before we get into that, I want to say welcome back to Erica and Tusney. Hello. Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> so we are ready to get going here in a second, but we do have to make one announcement. We're very sad about this. Christina, who's been with us for our first 14 episodes and been working at our company for the last five years, actually, just a few weeks ago, gave us her notice and is moving on to some new exciting adventures. And we miss her dearly, but she sadly is no longer going to be part of this podcast. So we'll just have a little picture here on the table of her face mm-hmm. so we can look at her and uh, remember her. We love her. We wish her well and great success in what she's doing. We had a kind of little goodbye send off with her a couple weeks ago, and it was very emotional. I mean, when she's worked for with someone for five years it's tough so uh, but we miss her very much and if Christina you're listening uh, we, well, love you. we still love you and thank you for listening we're glad you're at least you're now on the other side now you can give us feedback and tell us how we're doing that all said 
um, we are changing things up. You know, we've been the first 14 episodes, we kind of focused on mostly our crew talking about lashes. And we also had, well, actually, we, we recorded at IBS. We had some guests come in for like five, 10 minutes, really short interviews. And that was really exciting. And we really liked doing it. And we also got good feedback from people saying they really enjoyed that. So one of the things we wanted to add to our you know, repertoire of shows is going in and talking to people in the industry, but not just the lash industry. We're gonna be really doing that, of course, but also we might broaden it. Maybe we're hoping to talk to doctors, um, chemists, and other type of professionals and, or customer service people, maybe hoteliers, you know, anyone who knows something about service or about industry or, or, anything, business. or business, anything that we can learn and grow from is useful. I mean, we, me and Tuss and Erica, we're always talking about what do we observe outside? You go to a restaurant, you go to a hotel, you go to a store and you watch interactions and you see what people do and what can we take back to our salon? How can we grow and get better as a business mm-hmm. by observing what other people have done? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just steal, right? So, um, so that said, um, we want to really kind of introduce our next step or move into this new phase for us. So Tustany is going to introduce to you who our special guest is for today. Mm-hmm. Courtney Bueller is a wife, mother of three, award-winning lash artist, speaker, entrepreneur, and CEO of Sugar Lash Pro. Before she'd started her company, she'd already built a successful lash salon called Lash Affair in Edmonton, Canada. Courtney now speaks and judges at some of the leading lash conferences around the world, such as League of Lash Masters, Lash Artists International, and Lash Battle UK. On top of all this, Courtney has been featured in many publications, including Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and Refinery29. So welcome to the show, Courtney. What a great intro, guys. Hey, Courtney, you're yes. our in-studio audience here clapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're very excited to have you on, Courtney. And it really is, uh, you're our first official guest. We've had some other people on, which was exciting. But this is like, we're going to just sit down with you and talk business and talk shop and, and really hopefully help our listeners grow and learn from all the wisdom that you've got, you know, gathered over the years. Because you've been doing this for quite a while and you've built two companies. So you've probably learned a thing or two along the way. Totally. Lots of successes and lots of failures. So I'm right. sure we're going to talk about a bunch. Yeah, that's that's, that's hope because hopefully people, I think a lot of people see success and they don't realize along the way there's a lot of pain and suffering and failure along the way to get you there. I, I heard recently uh, a person say you fail forward. You know, mm-hmm. the goal is yeah. don't fall backwards and just give up, but you fail and then move forward. And I think that's something that you've probably um, done over your years. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. And so we'll get yeah. into that. So one of the things we first want to start, just so in case our listeners don't know who you are, which I doubt, but in case they don't, I thought it'd be great for you to maybe just tell us a little bit about your background. What got you into lashes? Why lashes? Why not, you know, be a professional soccer player? <laughs> you know, whatever else is out there that you could have done. And um, yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about your last journey. Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, this is my 10th year in the lash industry and uh, 29. And I started in the industry when I was 19. That was when, you know, lashes were just becoming a thing. It was like everyone was hearing about it for the first time. Um, Not like it is today. And it's grown to this ginormous platform that we see now and everyone's doing it. But back in the day, I was just a young single mom that had just got out of a bad relationship and moved back into my parents. And my mom had said to me, you know, there's this thing called eyelash extensions. And my sisters had amazing natural lashes and me and my mom had the short ones. And so (laughs) she wanted to treat me to it. And I totally just fell in love with it. And I consider myself a creative at heart. And um, so it really, really like I just I loved the way they made me feel. And I think always what I was drawn to with lashes was like 
why are you doing what you're doing and how are you doing it? And she was explaining the different diameters and the different curls. And I was asking her the weirdest questions. And my lash tech was like, Kate, just shut up and get <laughs> lashes done. But I was like, no, just I want to know. And she's like, okay, after you're done your fill, you should just try this on a mannequin because I want to see. She, she was thinking that she was going to hire me. Uh, at the time. And I was like more than excited to do that. And, um, and then that was when I had kind of found out all the regulations that they had and, and the companies that were around in the industry. Then it was very much like once you trained with those companies, you were locked in and you had to use their product forever and ever. And, um, I didn't love that. So that's kind of how I started with Sugar Lash Pro and kind of disrupted, we call it a disruptor in the business world now, but kind of was a little bit of a disruptor in the industry then where I said, let's just offer awesome training and then um people can use our product because they want to but before I jumped into Sugar Lash Pro was of course the um becoming a lash artist myself and I trained with kind of this small independent company and then was a solo lash artist myself and then that grew commercially into a big 10 bed lash studio and then that was you know when I kind of developed Sugar Lash Pro to grow a little bit bigger in the industry so that was the progression. One of the things I found that's really interesting that I remember about you, and I remember really, I think I was like probably in bed, just going through social media, reading websites. I was, I'm kind of a habitual Instagram person. I don't a do junkie. a lot, a junkie maybe. Uh, and I remember mm-hmm. looking at your stuff and I was like, wait a minute, there's someone out here that's talking about saying you can actually buy their products without their buying their training. <laughs> and I was like, at that time, all the OGs were not doing that. They were like pretty much, in fact, I think they still aren't doing it. And or at least some of them aren't. And I know that that's really was something that was refreshing because I went, wow, here's someone who's just actually trying to help people versus, you know, almost like saying, if you really want to be part of my club, you got to, you know, jump through all these hoops. And that was nice. And I think you're right. You totally changed the game and it really made the industry different because now I don't think almost anyone does that except for a couple of the older companies. And I think that's a good trend. I think it's about people can now go where they need to go, find the best things that serve them. And the good news for you, obviously you grew and, you know, did really well off of that change. Yeah. And I think for me, it was like, you know, I I can see the business model because on one hand, and that's the thing about businesses, there's so many different models and there isn't necessarily a right or wrong way because I can definitely see the merit in where you're saying, okay, if you're going to use my product and represent my brand, I want to make sure that you're trained to a certain standard. So I get it. I get get that model and I don't want to bash that model. But I think at the time I had kind of thought, you know, what if... I just thought locking people in to only training with your company and only using your company's product almost made room for like laziness a little bit where I'm like, well, what's driving these companies to stay the most current and to make sure that your product is the best because you have these people locked in and they're kind of like handcuffed. And so I just thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to be scared to, you know, have them train with other people or, or whatever, or use other products because I know in my heart of hearts that I will work the hardest to be the best. And that's what's going to get me loyal customers, not not locking anyone into contracts. So, yeah, it, I, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way, but you're right that that was kind of where I came into the market was a little bit different. Yeah, it was a nice change. And I think it helped the, the market take next step forward. And I think people are better off, companies are better off for that. So um, one of the things I just wanted to share, because you wrote this or when we talked, you shared, uh, actually I saw this in the article, that's right. And it was, I just thought it was really funny that you um, said in one of the articles I read about you that you literally cleaned your last artist's home in exchange for Phil's. Um, I, I just think that's, that's one awesome. of the funniest things ever. Like, I, That's another idea. If you're not doing lashes yet and you're just getting lashes somewhere, barter can work. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Just find out what they need. No, it is. And honestly, if you knew me personally, I am the messiest person. <laughs> I swear to God, I think I like became a business owner just so I could make enough money to have someone else clean my house, which Amen. I do. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't have anything else to offer. And I was like, I was totally like broke and um yeah, you know, I was just like, I just have to have them. And so I said, what do you need? And she's like, well, if you want to clean my house, you can do that. And so it was, I think it was like 20 bucks an hour. And so I scrubbed her. And at that point in time, it was like the going rate for eyelashes hundreds was like 300 bucks. And I think bills were almost 200. Mm-hmm. And so I was cleaning like full days at this lady's house yeah. for my hour <laughs> fill, sweating my ass off. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. But, oh my gosh. Um, in the long run, you probably got the better end of the yeah. deal because it burst this whole thing out of you. Totally. No, and it it is a funny thing, but it just goes to show how like truly addictive they are. I think that even now they're even more so addicting because now everyone and their dog has extensions or some form of lash services. And so if you don't, you're really like on the outs now. And at that time it was like such a brand new thing, but I still like could not, as soon as I had them, I couldn't live without them. Yeah. Maybe some of our listeners, if you have some people who can't afford your services, maybe you can offer them barter. I mean, that's another, you can put on your website, by the way, if you want to clean my house, I'll do your lashes for free. Um, That's right. So, (laughs) well, let's get into one of the topics we we met last week. We we sat down with Courtney and just had a little bit of time to go over like this, what we're going to talk about today, just to make sure we were on the same page. And we asked her, what were some of the things that she really was passionate about? And she really quickly just jumped on one thing. She said, you know, living a healthy life because um, she shared a little bit about this. And that's why I want to get into this now, because I think in our industry, it's very common to be in the rat race and to look on Instagram and to feel like you're just not good enough and have to work harder and more and more and more. And I think it's really kind of cool that this is something that, that Courtney brought up that was really good. So Courtney, I would just love to have you maybe speak into that. What do you mean by what is a healthy life and why is this um, so important to you? Yeah, I think... Uh, and, you know, I've come to this conclusion, I I really think, in like the last six months. And so, you know, this being 10 years in the industry, it has been a rat race. And it's it's been a rat race. And I think a lot of people look at, you know, Sugar Lash Pro and the level that we've got to and they think, oh, it must be so easy now. Like she's attained her goals and she, you know, it, it's all just smooth sailing at this point because she's got a big team and she's got all that stuff. And it's, it's the complete opposite. At the beginning, you're kind of stressed about, you know, just the startup and getting your brand known and whatever. And then, you know, as you see success, you're like, oh, shoot, now we really have to like fulfill and make sure that, you know, systems and processors are in place and we're hiring the right people and we're, um, keeping up with growth and all that stuff. And then you get new ideas and there's always, always going to be things that are happening. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to say that's for everybody, but for like the, those people that are like the hustler entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so this year it was just this epiphany. And so I, I felt like I had put so much of my life on hold. And I feel like a lot of people do that because they just think, you know, let me just put my friendships aside because I just need to, I don't have anything else to give because I'm working so hard in my business. And then I have, you know, my significant other or my kids or whatever. And, and so everything is taken. And so you, you develop these unhealthy habits with the intention that, oh, I just need to get through this week or this month and it's all going to change and it's going to lift the the workload's going to lift and I'm not going to be this stressed next month or in the next six months. I just have to get through this. And the epiphany, I guess the crappy epiphany of it all, and this is not a discouraging thing, but this mm-hmm. is just to almost encourage you that if you're a true entrepreneur at heart and you are like one of those people that's just like, I just want to be the best in the industry. I 
to do so many things. It's never going to get easier. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an awful thing to say? <laughs> I think it's kind of awful. Yeah. It will never get easier. It's always going to be hard. But, it, you know, we do what we love. And so a lot of the times it doesn't feel like work until it does. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think that's kind of what happened to me this year where it's like, whoa, like, we don't have a lot of close friends because we don't have time for them. And every spare moment I'm trying to be a good mom to my kids and, and, mm-hmm. and feeling like I'm failing in that a lot of the time. And it was just this thing. And, and people ask me, well, what do you do outside of work? And it was this, this answer all the time where it's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> What's like, that? I don't have hobbies. Like, cause you never, cause your work is your hobby and cause you love it. And so you don't want to stop it. But then it's this realization that it's like, this can't be it. Like there's just not a lot of balance here. And so, yeah. And so now with all of this said, it's this new teaching thing. And it's what I've been speaking about at conferences a lot, that it's just like, we all have goals and we all have aspirations, but don't sacrifice your life and don't sacrifice your happiness and your passions, even though we're passionate about work because we are. But if you're passionate about singing or horseback riding or golfing don't let that all fall to the wayside and then look back on it and think oh I've sacrificed my life for this and I'm still just as stressed as I was day one you know so I feel like that's what I'm trying to get to now because you know it's it's very easy on Instagram to look and see designer stuff and see you know the success and think oh man my life would be so easy if I just had that but it's it's really just a coping mechanism. They were laughing mm-hmm. at me in Australia. I was just in Australia and they were laughing about all my, my Gucci habit. They have a Gucci habit. <laughs> and I'm like, I just buy Gucci to cope with my life. <laughs> it just, it just gets me through, but it's, it's just, it's funny, but yeah. it, it is, you know, somewhat accurate. Not that I don't love my life, but you know, Gucci helps sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you had to almost put a lot of boundaries in place to make that change to have more of a balance. Do you have like any things you did specifically to really change that in your life? I felt like for a long time, I felt like I had to do it all and I would get big FOMO or fear of missing out mm. for everyone who doesn't know what FOMO is. <laughs> yep. If I wasn't at these conferences and I wasn't at the trade shows and I wasn't, you know, launching something new every month. And so it was always just that I had this mindset that I didn't have a choice. It was just, I had to do it because I had to be the elite. Like I had to be the leader and I had to be setting the bar. And so it was kind of this mentality that it was like, these were the things I had to do in work. And if I had any spare time, then I would fit other stuff in. And then you just realize that you're not going to ever get that spare time unless you change that mindset. And so I had this moment where I was, I think it was March this year. I'm really bad with dates, but I had gone like intercontinentally in flights, like three weekends in a row. And I was coming back from London and I just remember my, like the airplane, I'm not a crier. I'm not really like a super emotional person. Um, but my airplane, uh, wheels like touched the tarmac of me coming back from a super long flight and I was sick and I was like really worn down and I just like burst into tears and I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying all the way out. Like when I, my husband and kids are waiting for me on the other side and I'm just like, I literally just dropped to my knees and my like three-year-old came and hugged me and my husband was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not like, and so then it was just this epiphany that it's like, I've paid my dues and I've put in the work and, um, I don't want it to be this sob story because I'm yeah. really, really no. happy. No. It sounds like you just took that pressure off of yourself. Yeah. It, I went back to the office and I said, look, I totally get that we should be doing this. And and they never pressure me to do anything. It's, it's just the pressure I put on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of us as entrepreneurs put on ourselves. And it was like, 
you know what, if I'm teaching people work-life balance, which literally I've, I have a module about, oh, work-life balance. I'm like, I should probably be practicing when I'm preaching. And so with that said, I kind of broke in March and I was just, um, I just took a month sabbatical last month and I was in Bali in Australia and I took my husband and my kids and we just literally vegged out for a month. And it was awesome. So little, little realizations and little pivots. And I think that's what it's all about is just taking into account how you're feeling all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, am I happy right now? Because you can't just keep telling yourself, I'm not happy right now, but I have to get through this to get to happiness. You have to actually just make it happen like right now and then find a way to have work and happiness and balance like now, not later, just now. Yeah. It sounds like you made a, a cognitive choice to say, I'm going to take this time off. You know, it sounds like you scheduled it and said, I'm going to focus on my family and relaxing or spending time or building memories with them. Is that something that you, you know, planned on? I didn't really plan on it until I kind of had that snapping point in March. And then, you know what, it wasn't even my idea to kind of take that sabbatical. It was my chief operations officer hmm. was like, and he's so, so great. And so this year we've really like, taken it upon ourselves to hire like a C-suite, like a corporate mm-hmm. um, team. And, you know, I've had some bad hires with with those kind of roles, but I have the best team right now. And they like are fully, fully just on board with like keeping me happy and healthy. And they were the ones that said, okay, let's, these are the things we need to get done. And this is the things that we really need from you. And let's get this done. And then we want you, like, it was basically them like shooting me out the door. So just say like, just go. Just go and we're going to hold down the fort and it's going to be okay. And I came back and I was like ready to work like a million percent. So now it's all fun again and refreshing and and all that stuff. But yeah, just giving yourself that space for sure. That's funny. It's kind of like that saying, I don't know if you've heard it. If uh, mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Very much so. No, for sure. I know Happy wife, happy life, which I don't have that saying. I'll vouch for that one. I I very much believe in that (laughs) saying. <laughs> um, I was going to say that one of the things I remember seeing you post earlier this year is that you actually, I think, took your first vacation this year in many years, right? I think you did it on your social yeah, media. Yeah, like this, this sabbatical was like our first vacation that was kind of just a vacation. Mm-hmm. All the other ones were like, if I was going somewhere cool, I would take the kids and the, the husband along with me. But it was very much always kind of like work and play. And this was like just play. Like every day was just, you know, waking up and having breakfast together and doing fun things and like morning till night. And I like loved it. I don't I don't think that I even realized how much I needed it. And even for people that, you know, don't have kids and, and aren't married or whatever. But like even just being such a good friend is like it's just so important for our hearts. Like we think it's like we need the friendships. But I think that like everyone around us really needs it too. And it's like Mm -hmm. having that personal connection is like so important for like our souls, just as people, you know? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think for us... And that's that's, that's why I think I go to a lot of conferences too is because um, like people are like, oh, why do you go to so many conferences? But it's like, I actually think, even though it is a business thing, it's like just shaking people's hands Mm -hmm. and giving them hugs and like getting that, it's so crucial to like our overall health as, as yeah, as business owners. That's great. And I think this is encouraging because I know that it's so easy in our industry to feel like you're trying to compete with everyone around you. You're trying to outdo everyone else. And I think, I mean, doing that, that forces you to make decisions that aren't always healthy for you and you don't sleep or you don't take the weekend or you don't see your family or you don't see your friends. And I think it's really important. I've seen, I've seen this a little bit more on Instagram where people are posting like, hey, man, take some time this weekend, take a break. Because I think it was my dad who was telling me when I was younger, it's like, you know, you're going to leave work 
and it doesn't matter how long you're gone or how much you do it, the next day you come back, there's still going to be work there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> and totally. Work isn't like, you know, um, going away. It's like, we aren't going to show up at work one day and go, oh my gosh, I have nothing to do. <laughs> it's all done finally. Mm -hmm. So it's... I once heard the speaker and they did a visual demonstration and there was two glass vases. And in one glass vase, they said, you know, we get really busy. And as he was describing our lives, the commitments that we have, he was putting in really big rocks. And mm. then each one was symbolizing, you know, kids, family. And then he'd put in um, smaller ones, like smaller little little balls. Like that pebbles kinda, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. pebbles. And, and so, you know, these are the things that come up every now and then. And then he even put a, some smaller ones in. And then he poured water in it. And or sand. He poured sand. Was it sand? And, yeah, okay. sand. And, and then water is next. And then so he's like, what do you think the object of this lesson is? And people were like, oh, no matter how small it is, you can always put more in there. Like put sand, <laughs> right? And he's like, no. no. He's like, the point I'm trying to make is unless you put the big ones in first, meaning like the things that you were talking about, Courtney, like the friendships, you know, the family, the, the neglecting those parts of ourselves that are really important, the, the ones that we push off, if we don't put those in first, Nothing else is going to fit in there. Because you'll get filled up with sand. Yeah. If you put sand in first, you'll have no room for the big rocks, the That's big right. things, the, the yeah. important things, right. the things that make yeah. your life stable and that yeah. give you meaning and all that. So, Totally. And I think that's the thing. Like, that's the whole thing of it. And it's not like, you know, I... I think for some people, maybe it isn't like necessarily like family or friends and they're totally fine being single. But I think just like knowing, like actually taking into account, like what makes your soul so happy and just never letting that go. So like figuring out your rocks, I guess. Right? Yeah. 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 Name your three big Figure rocks. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the name of the title of this episode. Name your rocks. Um, well, let's move on to the next thing. Um, another thing that you talked about or we discussed was talking about stylists struggling to stand out in the crowd that it's really hard out there and that people feel like they need to reinvent the wheel. And I know that you had some thoughts on that and what you think stylists need to do or, or are they really not standing out? Maybe people, are we overthinking this a little bit too much? What are your thoughts? Like I said, I started in the industry as a lash artist and then I kind of, as we grew commercially and I started learning more about business and I started learning more about social media and all of that stuff. Cause I've never done any business training. I've never even taken a single business course in all honesty. It was just hmm. kind of ingrained into me, I guess, somehow, you know what it is. It's just like you said at the beginning, you said you go to businesses, you go to a restaurant or you go to a hotel or you look at brands in the fashion industry or whatever. And, and I think where I, where I had a lot of success was that I have an analytical mind mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, so if this brand is really successful, like let's dive deeper about what makes that brand successful. So obviously mm -hmm. every brand, if it's a restaurant or it's like whatever it is, they're always going to have an amazing website, which to have an amazing website, you need to have a brand and you need to have a palette and you need to have a strong logo and you need to have whatever. So kind of just like looking at these aspirational companies and then working backwards was kind of how I did it. And I think not a lot of people think like that. And so that, that is, as I've grown into, you know, my kind of, I guess my niche in the market with Sugar Lash Pro is like teaching lash artists how to think a little bit bigger or run a more successful business because so many people don't know the stepping stones and actually the stepping stones for business are like, they're the same regardless of what industry mm -hmm. you're in. And, um, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and I thought that was so cool that you guys said that at the beginning where it's like, you go to a restaurant and you have really good service and it's like, Oh, well, how could we apply this to the salon? Which is totally what I do all the time. Like mm -hmm. I get ideas from everything. People are asked, like, what inspires you? And it's like, it could be like, I don't know, a lady like walking her dog and I'm like, oh, that leash is really cool. How could we bring that into 
sugar lash pro and then i'm designing lanyards or you know what i mean like whatever it's just like the most random stuff but yeah so so i feel like that's my thing is is telling people you know you don't have to i think it's just like you don't have to do it on your own because so many people just feel like they're in it by themselves yeah and um and that's the thing and so can i be allowed to do my announcement (laughs) yeah we're getting to that yeah yeah we'll wait just i i just wanted to jump off on that or say one more thing because i think it's really key what you're you're saying there and there's a book actually that i would recommend i've yet to read it so i rarely do this but i want to recommend only because i've been told it actually hits off what you're talking about it's called steal like an artist and the the whole idea is it's okay to take ideas from other people. If you go back to all the great artists in, in history, they're all inspired by one another. They look at other artists mm. and they take their ideas and they steal mm-hmm. them and then they implement mm-hmm. their own life. And so as businesses, we should do the same thing and we should definitely you know, be looking to, to take ideas and, and help ourselves with our businesses and all that. Don't feel like you have to reinvent it. But that said now, we definitely are excited because there's something that Courtney's team have put together that is actually, I'm going to think, help provide this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, why don't you go ahead, Courtney, and tell everyone about it. I know you posted on social media, so this comes out in a week or two, so it'll be a little bit old, but at least still, for those who haven't seen it yet or heard about it yet, we'll get now to finally hear the big news. Yeah, yeah. So, well, first of all, so uh, the way that this all started was because with Sugar Lash Pro, we have our Lash Pro Accelerator Program, and that's like a 35-week business building program, which will walk people through like developing their own personal brand and their palette and social media marketing and where to do ad spend and loyalty programs and hiring staff and firing staff and all of that stuff. And so that's always, always my passion is to help people develop their own personal brands. But at the end of the day, you know, some people don't want to necessarily do that. Like they don't feel passionate about having their own brand, but they just have aspirations of like owning a salon. And so I thought hey, why don't we just take this knowledge that we have that we're teaching other people to do and for the people that want to just have a salon now and have a multi-bed location, why don't we put in the work for them? And so with that said, we are launching um, Lashing Co. Franchise Salons and it's going to be kind of a turnkey solution. So there's going to be partners that we're going to build out their salon and give them their marketing packages and do all the marketing for them and the the call center and the online booking and all of that stuff is going to be handled for them. And they are just going to get to enjoy being a business owner and having good relationship with their staff and um, interacting with clients and all of that good stuff. And I'm really, really, really excited about it. (laughs) That sounds so ambitious. Can you tell us who would be the ideal candidate for somebody to partner with you in this franchise? The ideal candidate, I think, is the person that wants to run a really, really high-end salon, mm-hmm. but isn't quite sure how to do it or doesn't have the drive or the passion to kind of go through all the steps themselves, mm-hmm. but really has the passion to just see that come to fruition quickly. And so um, we're looking for people that are obviously like dedicated to amazing customer service and amazing mm-hmm. skill level, because that's what it's going to take. Because Lash & Co is going to come in and I want us to disrupt the industry a little bit where it's like, from a consumer standpoint, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like you're coming to the Lash & Co salon, you were getting the best mm-hmm. lashes. Um, so our, our training program is going to be really, really robust. And so we're looking for people that are just like, spunky and driven and and go-getters and i'm really excited we actually just launched on friday which i know this is airing in a couple weeks but we had like over uh, 170 applications from like 13 countries around the world so it's like mind-boggling already yeah good luck trying to dig through all that right (laughs) it's gonna be a lot of reading (laughs) 
Well, I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Now you're learning, right? Now you're practicing what you preach. Awesome. Now, does somebody who wants to be a franchisee, do they have to know about lashes or, or is it something that you can equip them to do? Is that part of the expertise of what you're offering? Yeah, like very much we are, you know, I think that the initial applications are obviously lash artists because that's who knows us. Mm -hmm. But I have an inkling that I think the people that are going to do the best in this are the people that are really like business driven and they know that stuff. So I think it's going to be very much like there's going to be owners that aren't necessarily in the lash industry, but because we're going to roll out such a robust training um, platform that that's going to be fine. Very cool. Now you mentioned internationally. Is this for all the states? And is there a restriction on what countries you can go to? It sounds like a great opportunity. Right now we're taking applications worldwide, but there is some red tape in some countries. Like for example, Australia is one and China and th- those places, there's a little bit more red tape. But um, honestly, the, the application process is going to take a, a bit of time to work through anyways. And so, yeah, to make sure that people qualify and because, you know, it's not with all this said, I don't want to just make it sound like you just snap your fingers and you have a franchise because it is going to be um, pricey upfront cost. But mm-hmm. with that said, then you're going to make that back quickly because it's a very profitable business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, it might be too much for some people and that's fine too. But for those people that are ready to really, really have a serious business, then those are going to be the ones that we're going to get going. Yeah, because normally with a franchise, there's a fee, I guess, that people pay to get in. And then you, but what it sounds like is you're doing a lot more than I think some franchises do, which is you guys talked about doing a call center and marketing. And, and you know, sometimes you get in a franchise and you're on your own. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they give you the this design and here you go and send us our, you know, franchise fees or whatever, but they don't actually do call centers. So that's really unique. That sounds very different. So you you, you basically help people, I guess, book appointments and get people, you know, the marketing done for them and all that. Yeah. And you know what? I actually just had a meeting this afternoon. I don't know if you guys, are you guys familiar with like Orange Theory Fitness? Yes. It's, um, was it high intensity? Yeah. Yeah. Hit yeah. training. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't have time to work out. I have no idea. Yeah, working is. out is not one of my rocks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's an Orange Theory um, just down the street from us. Yeah. 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 So the founder of that is my, like, he's not really like a business coach because I only see him like twice a year, but his name is David Hardy and he's a friend of my family. And so I just had lunch with him this afternoon. They just celebrated their thousandth franchise and they're actually, he never brags, but he was bragging a little bit. So he said, now I'm bragging. And they're the only franchise in history to have never had a location close. Wow. So he was saying, you know, sometimes they'll get owners that it's not working out or whatever. And then they have a really good plan in place to just bring new owners in because it's mm. such a strong, um, supportive franchise model. And so that's really what I'm I'm taking everything that he has to tell me and, and we're putting that in. Where it's going to be very supportive. And, you know, I guess I don't want to say that it's like a tight leash because that's, that's not right. But we mm. want to make sure that we're ensuring that every you know location is just like superb service and, and results. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of work that's gone into it. There's still a lot of work to go into it as far as getting into some countries that are interested, but I think it's going to be really, really cool. And what people don't know, or maybe they do know, is that you did run a salon for how many years? Like five years or so yourself? Yeah, I think I had my salon, my commercial location. Like, I mean, okay, so when I started, I was a solo lash artist for not that long. I think my first hire was like six months after mm-hmm. I started just because I was booked so far in advance and I was working too much. And I, n- I never even considered. So for everyone that thinks that I'm some like business mogul, I'm so far from that. <laughs> I never even wanted to hire anybody. It was never even on my radar whatsoever. Like 
didn't want to, put it off for a long time, was super stressed about it. But I did because I had to because I was drowning. And then I just had to do it again and I had to do it again and again. And so I was still home base and I had like six lash artists working out of my basement. <laughs> That's funny. I don't think I've ever heard in anyone else doing that. Leaflet. Yeah, no, not in the basement at least. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it's like a dungeon. It was nicely designed, but yeah. it was so illegal. Like it was against every code that in our city. And mm. so with that said, then the, the move to commercial was quite easy. And so we moved to commercially. And I think I had the commercial location for close to three years before I started Sugar Lash Pro. And then at that point, I decided just because I, I'm also a, a firm believer in not having your attention really divided. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought Sugar Lash Pro has so much more potential than, you know, a single lash lounge. And so I sold that to focus on Sugar Lash Pro. Yeah, no, and, and that's what you bring that experience to. So it's not like you're just someone that's worked on the product side. You've actually been an owner, so you bring a lot of that kind of expertise to the picture. Are you working with anyone on this project, this expansion, or is this really all in-house with your people doing the franchising? It's all in-house. I mean, we're getting lots of, we've had lots of input from, you know, franchise lawyers and, and firms that have worked with lots of successful franchises, but it's very much in-house. That's our baby that's great. No, that's really exciting, and it's really good news. What? Tessie, oh, I was just going to say the. So it sounds like the franchise opportunity is great for somebody who you know loves lashes and wants to provide a salon, like a high end uh, salon with employees, and and you provide the the whole system for somebody to get started in that way. But what about uh-huh. the single practitioner? Are you still offering your accelerator program? Yeah, yeah, totally. We usually run it once a year, but we're opening it twice this year. And actually, our next intake is September 18th. Mm-hmm. And so very much because I realized here's the, here's the whole thing. The lash industry was so great about it. And I think just the beauty industry in general is like it can be whatever you want it to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if someone wants to do part time under their house, I think that's like freaking awesome but let's do it well so mm-hmm. that's where accelerator comes in where it's like let's just help you brand it and treat it like a really nice business because just because it's home-based doesn't mean you're off the hook for providing awesome results and all that stuff and so we have that and then we have you know our some people that have taken the accelerator program there's one place i was actually like mind-boggled they came to Prague to meet me when i was at a lash conference and they're like we flew in from indonesia to meet you we're in your accelerator program and we went from one salon to nine salons in indonesia wow, wow. They had over like 80 staff and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never even done that. So I was like, (laughs) hats off to you guys. But that's what I mean. Like it's so personal and so it can be whatever you want it to be. But it's just, like I said before, it's like, you know, it's just the same stepping stones. And so we just kind of show you what those stones are and then you develop them into what you want them to be. Yeah, it's like a stepping stone or a key that people can use for whatever they need to unlock, whatever kind of growth opportunities they have. It seems like you've got a different key for each kind of need. Because again, it comes down to the stone, right? What stones are important to them? Yeah. <laughs> so if they, uh, totally. you know, want to be. And if you don't want to put in the work to develop your brand, then uh, just give me your money and I'll open a franchise. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Well, one of the things that I think that really has stood out about Sugar Lash Pro is your branding, something that really you stand way above, I think, most other brands. There's some other companies that are doing great jobs too, but you guys have always been kind of ahead of the curve, I think, on that. And I think you shared a little bit because, you know, you were always looking, You're, you observe a lot and you you see what's working and you kind of make it your own. So I thought it'd be great just for a little bit to talk about some branding, um, maybe tips or things that you do. And what, if, but first, before we even get to that is because I think there's a lot of people have no idea what branding is. They just think it's a logo. Oh, I have my <laughs> logo and I have my color. I'm set to go. I'm branded. And so I thought maybe mm-hmm. you could share a little bit what branding is to you and then we can go from there. 
Yeah, I mean, branding, honestly, at the end of the day, as awful as this is to say, I feel like branding and marketing is like 70% of a good business. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm saying that I have crappy products, because I definitely don't. They're the best, and the training is the best. But with that said, even if my products were horrible and my training wasn't good, I could still get by with with good branding and marketing. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of people focus the wrong energy towards they'll focus on the results and the results is great because results is what is going to retain your clients once they come through the door and yeah. you give them amazing results that's what's going to keep them but the branding and marketing is what's going to get them through the door in the first place and so you can't really have a successful business without both mm-hmm. but branding is like my passion so let me tell you what i think a brand is mm-hmm. so you're right everyone thinks it's logos and a color like one color yeah and i think that branding is like a culture that you build and so for me i I break down branding into so there's a visual aspect which there's a logo and there's a palette and there's some textures and patterns and and decor stuff your visual branding should come through in every aspect and, and touch point of your brand whether it's the business cards or the website or the social media it should all look cohesive it should all look essentially iconic and recognizable so that when someone sees you know when you see a campaign image of sugar lash pro maybe it's like a totally different campaign than the last one we did but the quality is the same and it's the, the same feel and so you should be able to kind of spot it if that makes sense yeah and I think we've established that pretty well. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Because that's, yeah. that's honestly where, you know, 40% of our spend is on marketing and, and branding. Because those photo shoots aren't cheap. But you know what? It's one of my rocks in my business. And it's one of those things that I'm so, so passionate about. I just, I want to compete with those on the world-class stage in that in that thing. But then branding is, you know, there's the visual aspect. And then there's the emotional aspect and the, you know, our brand voice. And I think that that is probably the biggest myth that I see for lash artists is they don't have a brand voice. They just have a personal voice Hmm. and they think that it's the same thing, but your business actually should have its own identity and it should have its own personality. And so just because you're quiet and shy doesn't mean your business has to be, or just because you're loud and goofy doesn't mean that your business has to be either. It can totally be whatever you want it to be. And so the way that it interacts, the way that you write your captions on Instagram, the way that you um, write your email blast, the way that you record your message on your phone in the shop for people when they call in, or the music you play, and everything that just kind of you know, um, is ingrained through every aspect of your brand should all be very, very cohesive and should have the same personality and the same feel so that when people resonate with that brand, when your ideal client resonates with that brand, then they like really resonate with it, right? Like Sugar Lash Pro isn't after the same clients as other brands out there. Mm -hmm. There's lots of brands out there that are super successful and they're not really our competition, which is why it's nice because they're attracting a whole different kind of set of, mm-hmm. of people and not that I don't want those people but I kind of don't want those people <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they're not your niche right well it's like that's why there's a Kmart there's a Nordstrom's there's a Saks Fifth a Target. right Target mm-hmm. they all have their audiences and their their people so and you can't get them all it's just not ever going to happen I'm so excited about well, and, you, and you don't want to have their all yeah that's no, true. that's right yeah not um, everything that you're sharing is right on. It's really awesome. I'm so excited. In terms of like, you know, you were explaining the visual, there's a visual component, there's this emotional and having a different voice. For those of our listeners who may be stuck and thinking that they have multiple aspects of this taken care of, but they don't, can you give this any tools like how to walk them through to figure out 
if they are stuck there or is there any kind of advice that you could give them to figure out if they need to work on one specific area? Yeah, I mean, I think like a good way that you check how your branding is, is kind of taking account of who's coming through your door. Because if you feel like you're just attracting everybody and there isn't kind of a specific market that you're attracting, then I would just look a little bit further into that because it's not like you're going to get these like cloned clients and they're all going to be the same walking through your door. You're definitely going to appeal to more people than that. But with that said, like, for example, in, in the accelerator program we teach, you know, there's, there's going to be like the hippie lash lounges, that everything is going to be like, there's plants everywhere. And, you know, like the anthropology, I yes. use that as an example, yeah. yes. like the anthropology esque, and they're going to get, get some weed on the side if you want, you know, <laughs> <laughs> incense. Oh yeah. Incense. Sorry. Yeah. Incense and weed. It's the same thing, right? Yes. <laughs> but there's going to be that. And then there's going to be the super serious chic kind of, you know, clean and modern kind of almost cold mm-hmm. salon, which is going to attract the super bougie people and the people that want to go to the most expensive place. And that's literally what some people are shopping for is like, mm-hmm. who's the most expensive in my market? Cause I want to go there cause I trust that more. And then there's going to be, you know, the cozy, cute place that, you know, is for like the busy moms and the laid back people that don't want to feel like they have to like dress up to go into the, the salon and, and there's so many different things. So I would just say take into account who you're attracting now. And if it's not the people for the most part that you want to attract, something has got to change and there's something that's off. So if you think about it, the way that I, I tell people to figure out what they want their branding to be, there's two ways you can do it. One, you can look at, okay, who are the potential clients that could walk through my door and pick one that's your favorite or think of your favorite client and it, who do you want to spend every day with? Who's that client that when they walk in the door, you, you just don't want them to leave. You just want them to lay in your bed for four hours and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And you can totally build that salon for them. But that means like, what colors does she like? What's the mood that she yeah. likes? What does she want out of a service provider? It's basically taking everything into account, like lashes aside. Because that's the thing, lashes is the thing that everybody is doing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's think about what everybody's not doing. And that's like, okay, so where can we be different? And where are points of difference? That's the website and that's the decor and and that stuff. And so the other option, besides building it for your dream client, is actually just doing a market assessment. And I think that's what I did with Sugar Lash Pro is where it's like, okay, what's the market now? And then how can I be different? So looking at your market that's existing and it's like, okay, well, if you have a bunch of the hippie lash salons, then maybe come in and be that super expensive one. Or if you have nothing but expensive ones, maybe come in and do a relaxed lash lounge and hmm. they'll do really well. So this is like kind of like two options. I've been two routes and there isn't a right or a wrong. I think it's just more of like what you want out of it. Yeah. It's personal preference. And also because there's some people out there that want to get lashes to the masses, right? They're just mm-hmm. like, that's their drive. Like they may really feel passionate about the, the mom who's got 20 kids and right, drives around their the soccer mom. And they really feel like they want to connect with those women. So they build a salon for that kind of woman and, and so mm-hmm. forth. So it's really, it's both. Yeah. I think it's great. Look at the market or what do you, who's your favorite person? That's a great tip. Find your niche. You know, we, we, or maybe you're going to be like a mobile lash artist because yep. there's no mobile lash artist. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just looking at stuff from different angles. Just make sure it's legal in your area. Like in California, it's not. Just as a heads up on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you don't want to get in that trouble because you can't get insurance. And if something goes wrong, then you're really up a creek. So, uh, gotcha. But, but yeah, it just depends. Every state's different. Every province uh, just depends on what your local area is. Just check with your uh, local state board. We'll let you know what is possible. Um, I think also another thing that really sets me 
your brand is your pricing, right? You use your pricing to determine what your brand you want to come off across as. If obviously higher pricing, you're going to definitely attract a different kind of clientele than trying to be the lowest or the cheapest price on the block just to get the most clients or the discount. Mm-hmm. Brand. You don't want to be if you don't want to always have to negotiate your price and discount. I see a lot of that online where people are like being asked to cut their prices in half. Just say no, you know. Just say you're not my client. If you want my lashes for half off, then you're not my type of client, and be okay mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think what's important to note, and I, I see it all the time because new people come into the industry and they just think, well, I'll just under the market price mm-hmm. and that's how I'll get my clients, which does work. It does work to get them to the door. But here's the thing about the bargain clients. First of all, this is just purely from a business perspective. Bargain clients, the people that are looking for the cheapest price are the least loyal client yeah. that you can have because as soon as someone undercuts you they're gonna just go to the next cheapest place right or the next place offering a group on or or whatever and so those aren't the clients that are gonna stay with you because if that's why they're coming to you is for price then you're not gonna keep them plus usually if they're you know coming to you because you're cheap and that is an indication that they don't have a lot of residual income. Sorry, not residual income, disposable income. Yeah. <laughs> and so, or both. <laughs> <laughs> or both. But they're already like stressed out getting the service because they probably can't afford it in the first place. And so I had the craziest clients. The craziest clients I've had over the years were like the broke ones. And it's like it comes up in conversation as soon as they're getting their lashes done. They're like, oh, you know, I really just can't afford this. But uh, and you can just <laughs> feel this anxiety. And like, God forbid they open their eyes and they're not like 170% thrilled. It's like you're going to have hell to pay with those oh, clients, right? Yes, we have yes. been there before. Constantly mm-hmm. canceling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're and they're just super difficult, and so those usually are the ones that throw fits and leave the crazy reviews and mm-hmm. and whatever because they're not happy with their own lives, and so they tend to lash out a little bit more. Opposed to the people that are really well off, and they're like, yeah, uh, great. Like they don't really care, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're just yeah. they're there to just get their lashes, and it's just like who really cares, right? Yeah. So um, the stakes yeah. aren't so as that's, high. That's my totally. That's my tidbit for the day. Is just like. It's a not sustainable business plan. So, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think are some branding mistakes you've seen companies make? Like, I'm sure as you observe people, and maybe we don't have to name anyone specifically, but maybe some common things you've seen with salons, maybe, uh, you know, where they just are getting it wrong. Or even some people that have come to you, not naming anybody, but areas that you've been able to help some of the people that have, you know, taken your accelerated course or that you've consulted with some pitfalls first of all i love how you guys said that so many times that you're like not naming yeah i know (laughs) come on here and be like oh my gosh let me tell you yeah i know (laughs) let me tell you about integrity lash oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) um no i feel like i feel like honestly lots and lots of times i want to give you a percentage let's just say 90 percent of the time if businesses are struggling it is usually about branding and not bringing that branding through a hundred percent so they might have a look but do they have a voice and is their pricing cohesive with the rest of their branding or like are they trying to be a luxury brand but then their prices are cheap so it's making people nervous or you know what i mean it just it has to be like every single aspect has to be so cohesive and if you can nail it then your business is great you're totally fine unless, you know, everyone you're getting through the door is not coming back. And then you're going to look at a skill issue yeah. and, and increase mm-hmm. that skill. And then that affects it. But honestly, like over the years, and I've helped a lot, a lot, a lot of business owners, it is like almost always just that they, they lack uh, some branding element. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I can see that, and that makes sense. I know for us, as while we've been busy, we actually I think uh, our salon has mostly succeeded because of skill, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and we just once people get in, they stay fiercely loyal. But we've always struggled with image and branding and creating the. I mean, I liked how you said it's a culture too. It's not just colors and logos and all that. It's about culture, and that part I think we get down. But it's it's like our outside image. We struggle with like we have struggled with that. Yeah. And in fact, this year was one of the first times that we actually sat down and undertook the exercise of really teasing apart who is our ideal client. So Mm -hmm. listeners, you know, that's an exercise that you can do to make sure that you're speaking to the right audience. Yeah. We knew kind of who it was, but we didn't really sit down and fight it and wrestle in the mud and really break it down. I mean, we now have a very detailed, almost like a story, like of who she is and what she Mm -hmm. loves to do. Mm -hmm. And what what her pain points are. Yeah, what her pain points are, what really she struggles with personally. It's (laughs) like we really went into detail. Like it's like a character from a movie. You're like, you're sitting down. I know her very well now. (laughs) It's a fun exercise. And it helps. And then, then once you know her, then you can start building the image do you think that would most hit those pain points and attract her, and also her pleasure points. You want to really make the things that she finds pleasurable and finds attractive. And if they love certain types of music or looks and feels, then you got to make sure you're, you're providing that. Otherwise, they're not, if they, like you were saying, if they don't really like hippie joints and they're looking for a really high-end place, they, they're just not staying. It doesn't matter, even if you give them all the weed in the world. So... Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, and from an employee standpoint, it really helps. I even, after you guys kind of sat all of us down and we talked about the ideal client, I noticed that all the staff started behaving as if every client was the ideal client. And it almost brought much more cohesiveness with how we treat every single one of our clients. And so I just think that it's... I mean, it's so important. We really benefited from it, for sure. Definitely. Um, And I think the other, like, most beautiful thing about really nailing down your ideal client is, like, the it almost just, like, releases this burden of if someone's grilling you on the phone or if you lose a client. It's, like, this peace mm -hmm. that you can have just knowing that it wasn't right. And Mm -hmm. um, when you're not marketing to a specific person, you don't have that nailed down. You just feel like... If you lose anyone, yes. that's a failure on your part. But it's like once you've figured it all out, it's just so just kind of easy come, easy go because you know that your right people will find you. Yeah. And then that's a nice thing. I think even for me, like in the industry, you know, I friends with lots of our competitors and, you know, I sit with Kim James from Borboletta and when uh-huh. we talk about, oh my gosh, I'm like, Kim, you guys are doing amazing stuff. And she's like, I'm doing amazing stuff. You're doing amazing mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm just like, no, like we're, we cheer each other on and we challenge each other. And it's, it's in this really healthy way where we're, you know, we're not attracting the same people. And it's great because we've all carved out our lanes and, you know, their yeah. success is no reflection on my success, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we always say the pie is big enough. That's our favorite saying. Yeah. <laughs> the pie is big enough. So that all said, we're about here to wrap it up. We've hit almost the hour point, and I think we want to respect it. I know. We really didn't want to take too much more of your time, but I do really feel like we'd love to have you back at some point. And I mean, you know the outline I sent you. I think we only covered about maybe one quarter. (laughs) So we have a lot of other things we could talk about in the future, and it'd be wonderful to have you back if you would. Uh, Well, first of all, I had so much fun, and so Mm -hmm. thanks for having me. I would love to come back another time. I feel like this time I did a lot of whining. Did I whine? Oh, no. no, are you kidding? You're so real. It's no, you, really you, refreshing. You didn't whine at all. It's okay. <laughs> okay, okay you're okay, whining. Okay. <laughs> have me back and let's just talk about all the happy things. But yes, no. yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. Chime on in. Tell us all about where we can find you. So if they haven't already followed you, they can start following you now. Yeah, yeah. So on Instagram, we are just Sugar Lash Pro. 
If you want to follow the franchise salons, it is at underscore underscore Lash and Co. And then our website is just sugarlashpro.com. And if you're Canadian, that will just bounce you to .ca. But you can just put in com and it will uh, take care of you. So is it Lash and Co or Lash in Co? Lash and Co. Okay. It's spelt out on the offer Instagram. It's okay. Oh, perfect. Good. Okay. Yeah. But we see yeah. it, yeah, the other way. Okay, great. Well, Courtney, uh, what a pleasure. What a joy it was to have you today. I know us three are better for it, and I know our listeners will be too. Thank you. We will definitely get you back on our short list to have you continue to talk and not whine so much. <laughs> and um, we'll... <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'm kidding. No, I'm, t- I'm you're kidding. Amazing. But you've been amazing. You've shared a lot of great stuff with our listeners, and that's really what this is all about is like our saying is, you have a friend in the last industry and we're just trying to help all these professionals out there who work by themselves mostly in their little places and they're just wondering how can they take their game to the next level or who can help them give some tips to keep motivated or fix problems they have in their business because they have no one to talk to and that's what we're here for and you helped uh, make their lives a little bit better today I'm sure so thank you so much Thank you so much, guys. I hope there was yeah some good tidbits in there, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. All right. We will do it again soon. Take care. Okay. Okay, Thanks, guys. That's it. Bye. Okay, and that wraps up our first long-form interview. Not too bad for our first time. We definitely have some things that we can do better, but otherwise, I think that was a great success. And we're so excited that we got to have Courtney come on and be our guest today. So now it's time for me to wrap this all up. We'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash, where you can see what our Lash Salon is up to. You can also follow our Lash Podcast account at Lashcast Podcast. This Instagram account is focused on sharing tips and insights on the lash industry and how we run our lash salon. This is where we post information from our podcast too. Lastly, we'd love to hear from you and we've set up a Twitter account to do that. You can follow us at Integrity Lash on Twitter and you can also go ahead and DM us on Instagram. We look for places of both. That's where we get questions. That's where we respond to people. Either one works great. Now, the big thing we want to ask is a favor from you guys. If you're getting some value from this, you've seen your business grow, um, you get some of your best practices improved, or maybe you're doing better with them, working with your staff and all that, your clients are loving things more. If all that's happening, or even a little bit of that's happening, we'd love for you to help promote this podcast. We need your help to make it happen. And the way you can do that is this. First, subscribe. Then after you do that, give us a review. Go on to you know iTunes, write a review. Let us know what you love. That'd be great. If you have anything negative, maybe you could DM us. That might be better. But anyway, get the word out. Then after you do that, if you can screenshot your podcast, whatever you're using, screenshot it and then post it on Instagram and let everyone know, hey, I'm listening to Lashcast Podcast and maybe share something you like about it. Share your favorite episode, whatever it is. Let your friends know. Get the word out. By doing that, that's going to help us get the word out. That's going to help us expand and get more people this information that we feel is very helpful for them. And we want to give you a big shout out and a big thank you. And we'll do that on Instagram if you do that. So on behalf of our engineer, Britton, my lash experts, Erica and Tusney, and our special guest today, Courtney Bueller, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 